This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year the low. There are, of Who course, is the Stephen Bradbury of He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing Mr. the grocery shopping can take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. More to the point, how are you? First day of lockdown, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Byron Bay area's gone into lockdown. So, oh, no. Yeah. yeah, I know. It had to happen. I mean, it's kind of surprising it hasn't happened already, given we're a tourist mecca and there's people coming from all over the place. Mm. Yeah, but some numpty come up from Sydney, brought COVID <laughs> with him. <laughs> Four LGAs have gone into lockdown because he travelled all over the place. So it's like about two hundred thousand people. What's well, a it's a holiday destination, Tom? You're not going to go up there and just sit around. <laughs> sit around. Yeah. You're not going to isolate. <laughs> um, <laughs> the whole point. He was getting away. No, nah, that is tough. A shout out to again. We do it. Certainly do it every week. But we hope you're all doing okay out there. It is tough when you're in lockdown. Uh, some of us been in lockdown a lot longer than others around the country. Um, but it seems to be affecting everyone in one way or another. So hang in there. Stay strong. How long have you got? Tw- seven days, Thomas. Seven days. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Yeah. First two hours have been pretty tough so far. Um, <laughs> they say that's it. the worst. The good news is they say the first two hours, Thomas, are the worst. <laughs> the worst. Yeah. yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't complain to anyone living in Sydney at the moment um, mm, about no, your first yeah. two hours just quietly. I'd, I'd keep that to yourself. Fair enough. No, it's, it, no we'll, be, we'll be all right. All right. We've got a big show coming up uh, today, Thomas. We are going to be asking you, is Robin Hood stealing from the rich and giving to the poor or have the tables turned? Should we pay people to get the COVID jab? The New Zealand government is trying to stomp on the Kiwi property market. Could the same thing happen here? But first, Thomas, I've got some good news. Mm. I'm sure we could all do with a bit of good news. I've found a way to save you $222 per day. Ooh, nice. Do the census. If you're listening to this, it's Wednesday at the very least. If you're hearing this episode and you haven't done the census yet, you can be fined up to $222 a day, every day. So, yeah, get out there and do it. We're going to get out there and do it. Stay home and do it. Um, <laughs> Thomas, what's the census all about? What are, what are we doing? Oh, it's, it's kind of like a stock take uh, of the shop that is the nation of Australia. Get every, everyone together and count them. Yeah, it's, how, it's sort of how we sort of get a picture of what's happening in the country and bird's eye view of, of the demographic profile of the of the nation. Mm. And it's, it's important because it's sort of like from, from the economics perspective, it's sort of our reference point for all of the survey statistics that we have. So like remember like the ABS has a lot of survey data, like the Labor Force survey 
where they go out and they survey a sample of people and then from that sample extrapolate out to the, the entire population. But a lot of that is referenced from the ABS because every five years we get an account of the actual population. And so that gives us a way to sort of anchor those samples in, in a bit of reality. Yeah, okay. But given that we're in the height of COVID, so, it's, so it would seem, isn't this census going to be pretty different? Like if we're looking for trends over time, we're going to tank, you know, a lot of people are not working at the moment. A lot of people's current state as it is today is going to be heavily affected by COVID. Yeah, that's that's probably right. I mean, I, I don't know if you, you haven't done your census yet. I'm guessing that we're recording Monday night. I did mine this afternoon. I'm more of a last minute kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more of a I'm more of a at least one two hundred and twenty two dollar fine, and then I'll get on them. <laughs> yeah, you, that that note at the start is really just for you. So when you're listening back on Wednesday, like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey future Adam, remember <laughs> do the census today. Uh, there's not there's not too much in there that's going to be COVID affected, and even if it is, it's kind of all right because that you they'll be able to match up the census survey date with say the labour force survey for. For August and, and match them up together. So, yeah, I think, and I think it's really only jobs is sort of the only one that that's um, probably going to be COVID affected. The rest is sort of about where do you live, what languages do you speak, what's your religion. I thought they took the religion questions out of the survey. No, 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 still there, still there. I read some. I saw some. What I was going to say, I read some articles. I saw some headlines uh, in, <laughs> today about uh, some religious questions. People were angry about certain religious questions maybe not being asked. So, um, I, I think I, I do remember that section being a lot shorter. Like it's really just like, do you identify as with a particular religion? I heard you're not allowed to be a Jedi anymore. That's considered oh, a you joke. You can be a Jedi if you want. No, I think it's considered a joke now. You can be fined even more for joke. <laughs> right. if you, if I, <laughs> I probably spend too much time looking into what happens if you do stupid things with the survey. <laughs> but I think if you're, if you're found to be joking or lying on the survey, it's like 2200 bucks. Yeah. I don't know what their obsession is, the ABS, with the number, t- with the number two, but mm. it's $222 um, if it's if you haven't done it, or $2,200 if no, you it's lie. Federal, it's federal penalty units. There's a thing called federal pen, penalty units. What? Which is, yeah, and so, like, not doing the census is is one federal penalty unit. So lying on the census is probably 10 federal penalty units. Did Richie Benno invent the federal penalty units? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do they come up with them? Just round it down or up or something, I don't know. Uh, maybe there's GST, it's... You know, who knows? Interesting, though, I did read the uh, the closest thing we've got to looking at the COVID census this year is in 1921. We did a census in 1921, mm. which was in the wake of the Spanish flu, um, but that was very different. That was they they said they counted 5,221 wagons or camps. Believe it or not, this is not, I'm not making this up. 2,220. Three buildings were, were made of bark while households were divided between those headed by men and those by women. So very different census, but that's the closest thing we can, we can draw to a, a pandemic-affected wow. census. So, mm. Wow, wow. There, there is a, there, some good data comes out of the census, and it, do, it does get us a, a, a good snapshot, and, and it's useful for statisticians and for guiding public policy. Uh, a great, the great story is that uh, in 1951, the, there's an Aussie statistician called Oliver Lancaster, 
and he was looking at incidents of deaf mutism. And he went back to the 1911, 21 and 33 censuses and re- realized that the people born in the 1898 and 1899, they had high incidence of deaf mutism. Um, but that was when there was a known outbreak of rubella. Right. And so he made a statistical link between rubella and congenital problems with unborn children. And that was the first time that that was established. Yeah, right. Hmm. Oh, that's handy. And, yeah, yeah. And then from that, we got rubella vaccines. Right. Well, there you go. That's and who amazing. doesn't love a vaccine? <laughs> well, <Wow>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is, I didn't intend it, but the perfect segue into our next topic, which is, Thomas, uh, a lot of talk this week. Anthony Albanese's been out there with some ideas on how mm. we can get people to get the jab. But I want to ask you, first of all, should we be paying people to get the jab? Yeah, I mean, uh, this. I mean, this was a funny one. So, like, it just feels like the the political sphere is, is in complete chaos around the vaccine rollout and how to get it going. And mm. then Anthony Albanese has just lobbed in from the sideline this <laughs> idea of giving everyone three hundred bucks. As someone, as someone who's had both shots already, I say three hundred dollars is not enough, Thomas. <laughs> We're, pr- we're printing money. We're printing money. Yeah. This is the the world we're living in. 300 bucks is not enough. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it would cost, yeah, it would cost 5 billion, I think, uh, to do that pay One, we're print- bucks, but Two episodes ago, we talked about the Australian yeah. government has gone from printing 5 billion to 4 billion. <laughs> it's like it's a week's work for the government. <laughs> it's a week's worth of work for <laughs> GOMO and, Ga- and crew. Like, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. It's interesting. Like it's not it's not off the table that there's a group inside the they got a unit of economists. This is something I learned this week. I didn't mm. know this was a thing. But there's a unit of economists within the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, and they're behavioural economists headed by, up by a guy called Simon Gordon, and it's called the Behavioural Economics Team of the Australian Government. The acronym is Beta. Beta. Mm. Not to be confused with the more popular validating human squad that they also run, or VHS, as it were. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, yeah, but they're, so they're a bunch, bunch of behavioural economists and they're looking at this. And so behavioural economics is sort of a spin-off of game theory. So game theory sort of started in the 60s. Mm. And then behavioural economics is like how you use the economics of shifting behaviour. And, so, and so they've looked at that, but that like... The data on, on paying people to do stuff they don't want to do is actually kind of patchy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't ask me. <laughs> I am on board, just in case anyone's wondering. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've done worse. I've done worse for less. Like, really? Like, yeah. Like, I, like the time I weighed, I, um, I lied about my weight loss and got dragged into a, a non-paid photo shoot promotion for Light and Easy. When... <laughs> <laughs> I lost about two kilos and, <laughs> and I'd, I'd eaten them maybe four times. And all I was trying to do was win a PlayStation 3. <laughs> Arguably more humiliating, um, yeah, and, and worse for me than getting a vaccination. So They didn't ask you for like a before photo? No, they didn't. They just, you had to, you could win a PlayStation 3 and you had to just send in a, a, a little story about why you liked the food or light and easy or whatever Mm. so i sent in a little story (laughs) i may have i may have you know embellished here and there about my 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 losses and my uh my 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 weight weight loss journey 
as it were. But um, I didn't win a PlayStation Three. Oh, I, I didn't get. That. Yeah. But why, were you, why were you eating light and easy? Because I'm lazy, Thomas. <laughs> I was share house living. It was that or cooking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yeah. See, this is the kind of stuff that beaters up against. <laughs> they got their work cut out for them. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, but, but they, they did look at paying. Like the, the classic one is blood donations, and whether you you pay people to to don't don't donate blood. Mm. And what they find is that you kind of end up swapping out um, people who do it for money and people who are doing it for for because it felt good and it was they felt like it was a good thing to do. Because once you once you sort of you attach money to it, it kind of sullies it. It becomes a sort of a transaction, and it's, you don't get that feel good. I'm helping humanity kind of vibe from it. Right, and so so paying people for for to donate blood has 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 had limited success in the in the trials that they've done on it. Okay, yeah, and I think it's I think it's probably same for the vaccinations as well. So it kind of frames it in a bad way. Like if you got to, if you're getting paid to do it, it sort of implies that it's a bad thing, and you you would only do it if you were getting paid. Right, but there's a lot of people getting the, vac- the vaccine already, and it sort of undermines that sort of like collective community spirit i'm doing this because we're all in this together and we, we've got to got to you know make some sacrifices that kind of spirit it undermines that by paying people to do it and the other thing that is is it's 300 bucks is you know this for some people that's going to be very motivating but for some people it's not going to be motivating at all it's just like 300 bucks and if you if you're really worried about vaccines and possible side effects you know 300 bucks isn't really isn't going to isn't going to get you over the line mm. So what else can we do? What's what are the other options on the table? Well, the sort of response to that was that rather than rather than pay people three hundred bucks, they should have a lottery. So if mm. you if you get vaccinated, you go in the draw to win a PlayStation Three. I think <laughs> was the... I'm in. <laughs> Play, well, actually, PlayStation Five is rare as hen's teeth at the moment. You can't get them. Is that right? Yeah. Microchip shortage, is it? Um, Semiconductor shortage. Might be. I'm not sure. Well, you can't get them anywhere. It's all in. Yeah, it's all gone into the vaccines. Mm. Semiconductors. <laughs> all the microchips. Okay, so a lottery with a big cash prize or something. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to reward people mm. to do that, and, and typically the idea there is it just ends up being cheaper because people suck at maths and they're, they're really <laughs> bad at estimating the the, light, the probability. People People are just generally bad with probability. We don't... There's a really awesome book called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, who won the won the Nobel Prize in economics a few years ago. Mm. Probably my my all time favorite economics book. Yeah, I'll probably uh, read it. Pro- yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a seventy percent chance for reading. Yeah, but he's just saying like we just the human mind is just not wired to deal with probability. It's just right. it's 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 a sort of a very modern concept. We ne- it didn't evolve with us through time we just didn't you didn't have to deal with probability as a as a primitive human so yeah so it's a bit so you can use that to your advantage if you're an mm. economist um by running a lottery where people overestimate the chances that they're going to win uh mm. something and they get excited think oh playstation 3 i'm going to falsify my weight loss record <laughs> and 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 they'll do it so so you can sort of do it for much less than you would say paying everyone $300 you could have a million dollar cash prize and it sounds amazing and people get excited because it's a million dollars but you mm. save yourself you know 4.9 dollars yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah and i guess then but, you don't you, you take away that transactional nature as well so people are like well 
I'm doing it. I might win Le- something if I if I if I win. Yeah, but. yeah. It's a bit of a more of a sweetener kind mm. of vibe. Yeah, but it, but again, it's still not particularly doesn't move the dial a lot. So there's a, a study I saw that University of Queensland statistician, statistician called Adrian Barnett uh, did a experiment in the US on sixteen. 128 unvaccinated people mm. to see what was the best way to get them, convince them to get vaccinated. And they found that 22% were motivated by an offer of cash, 14% by a lottery, and then 16% by information about vaccines benefits. So you put right. those two cash ones together, you get 36%. So, so money's only going to move, you know, maybe a third of the population. Mm. And if we're talking about, you know, needing 80% or 70, 80%, the number seems to change every week then that's, that's not going to get us over the line. Right. Yeah. The, the other interesting thing out of, out of game theory is, uh, or behavioral economics is that, that people are regret avoiders. So people don't like regrets and they don't like, they don't like the idea of, of things that are going to give them regret. Mm. So you, you, you avoid sort of making decisions that you think are going to, you know, might have a bad result because then you're going to regret it later. And the interesting thing about getting vaccinated versus getting the, the I often see the, the talk in the papers that the, the, the chances of getting COVID and getting damaged, you know, serious health consequences from COVID are much greater than the chances of getting a, a side effects from the vaccine. Like almost the side effects is almost negligible compared to the dangers of yeah. getting COVID. That's the state you keep hearing, but it, but it doesn't sort of really work because the agency is very different in that story. So if someone gets COVID, they don't. They don't blame themselves. They say that's just fate. It was just luck. There was a, di- you know, right disease going around. I just happened to get it. I was unlucky. Mm. You know, it's just, it's just luck. It's just fate. But if they make the choice to get the vaccine and then get the side effects, then they then have regret about the choice that they made. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? So yeah. So if I don't if I don't choose to take to get the vaccine, I can't regret choosing it. Whereas if I get COVID, I can't regret getting COVID because it was just. It was just bad luck just, that it happened. Just luck, yeah. Interesting. I did. Um, I did read some American ideas. Would you like to hear them? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they're, they're, they're famous for their ideas. <laughs> so, um, Alabama. If you live in Alabama, you get. <laughs> if you get the vaccine, you get to take two laps around the Talladega Super Speedway <laughs> racetrack in your own car. Your own car. Oh, that's great. Which is amazing because arguably your chances of hurting yourself doing <laughs> two laps of the Talladega Super Speedway racetrack in your own car are significantly greater than any ill effects from COVID from the vaccination. <laughs> Chicago Chicago decided to do a, a music series which is exclusively open to vaccinated residents, so you can only get in there if you are if you're vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, New Jersey had the much talked about shot under beer campaign, which off, offers people a free beer if they've had the vaccine. Um, that was until local man Chuck Haley got vaccinated 15 times and blacked out. <laughs> Not true. I made that bit up. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, you can see it happening. It's not a stretch, is it? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I had an idea. Do you want to hear my idea? I think this is actually a good idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you know how we had we had the entertainment book when we were sort of growing up or whatever, and mm-hmm. and families have had that entertainment book for ages. Mm-hmm. It used to have vouchers. I think it's an app now. It's not a book anymore. It's an app, mm-hmm. uh, and it's got vouchers for local businesses. So, like, maybe when you get your COVID vaccinations, you get 
an entertainment book. You used to have to pay mm. like 100 bucks for it. So when you've got mm. your COVID vaccination, you get a government-sponsored entertainment book that gives you discounts to local businesses. So mm. it stimulates the local business economy, gives you cheaper deals on nights out, assuming you can get out and do it, and we all look forward to when we can. So, yeah, and it's only and you only get one once you get vaccinated. So you get rewarded with discounts that stimulates the economy. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I reckon that's good. Doesn't feel too transactional. Ah. Yeah. Supports the local local arts and entertainment industries. There you go. That's a winner. Thank you. Yeah, got my vote. All right. Well, uh, I expect calls from the... uh, from beta <laughs> any day now. Uh, CBE at equitymates.com if you want to get hold of me via email. Or you can check out the website, equitymates.com forward slash CBE. Or why not send us a message or go and check out our Facebook and Instagram pages at CVE Podcast. And with that, it's time for a break. We'll be back with more Comedian versus Economist after this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. And if you like this show, don't forget to check out all the great podcasts from Equity Mates Media. Uh, get started investing, Equity Mates Investing Podcast. You're in good company. There's lots to get your ears around. So get on over and check those out. But, Thomas, a couple of quick ones to finish with. Robin Hood. Uh, we're not talking about the Sheriff of Nottingham's arch enemy. Uh, we're talking about the share trading app. And they had possibly one of the worst IPOs in history, and they've turned it around to have one of the best. What's happening with Robinhood? Their share price is all over the place. Yeah, this is just such an amazing story. So Robinhood, you know, huge, huge story through 2020, um, empowering retail investors Mm. to get into the markets for the first time. That created a whole bunch of meme stocks. So we had Hertz, car rentals, we had AMC, had a bunch of others just like, sort of companies on their last legs GameStop GameStop that's right Mm. that was a big one getting bid up into the stratosphere Um, and that was a lot of that was being powered by Robinhood traders so sort of like it's targeted at millennials the median age of the usership is 31 so it's tilt very young yeah and then they went they went public so they took their company after sort of growing their user base phenomenally through 2020 they've sort of gone public and raised a bunch of capital yeah with through an IPO and so they yeah they launched that i think was it tuesday last week wednesday wednesday last week i think and then immediately in the first it ended the first day down 8.4% from its initial price 
which made it the worst performing IPO of its size in history. In really? In history. Mm-hmm. But then it became <laughs> the wait. most com- Yeah, but wait, there's more. Then it became its own meme stock. So Brilliant. it got it became the most mentioned stock on Wall Street Bets, which is the Reddit community, which was behind GameStop and a bunch of others. Mm. So Robinhood itself became the most mentioned stock and became a mean stock and then got bid up. So at some point on Thursday, it was up 100% on its um, starting price. Wow. And then fell down, I think closed the week up about 50%, which, is, which makes it one of the best in history, I think, as well. Mm. So... So it's just it was just wild. So it's become its own meme stock. It's sort of the, the the very sort of sort of phenomenon that it was would have had catalyzed it into its success. It just was the living example of through its IPO for its first week of trading. Yeah, I'm just looking at the chart here, and it's the kind of chart you would expect to see if you were looking at Ethereum or you know <laughs> Dogecoin or something Dogecoin. like this is. <laughs> Yeah. This, is a, this is a Nasdaq traded stock, and it's just flapping around all over the place. Um, so the the big the big attraction to Robinhood is that they offer fee free trading. So how do they make their money? Yeah, so this is sort of one of the things. So they they in many ways they're 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 a stock broker kind of company, but you can kind of think about Robinhood like a big tech company. And sort of the saying in tech is that if you're not paying for it, you're the product. And so mm-hmm. like with Facebook, for example, you don't pay to be a user. You, you be, you're a user and you get access to all the benefits of being on Facebook and whatever, but you don't pay for it. But you become the product and then people, advertisers in Facebook's case, pay for access to you. Yep. And that's, so that's, sort, of, that's sort of the big tech business model. So is Robin Hood full of ads? <laughs> <laughs> No, what what Robinhood does is it sells its order flow to yeah, so to the highest bidder basically. So so people put in their orders on the app and then they need to get executed by a market maker. So that's not what Robinhood does. Robinhood is a breaker; it just matches orders to to the market makers. Right. But it doesn't just you know give them whoever's got the best price or whatever. It 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 sells it. So whoever whoever's willing to pay the most for the order flow gets mm-hmm. the orders. Right. Yeah. And so you're presumably not getting the best price out of that deal then. If you're buying mm. your, your stonks through Robinhood, you're maybe not getting the best price, but it's free. Yeah, maybe not, maybe not. The, the incentives aren't, aren't completely aligned up. Mm. I mean, it's pay, pay for order flow, PFOF, as an acronym. <laughs> PFOF. PFOF. Right. Um, I mean, it's been around for a while. It was actually pioneered by Bernie Madoff, who was, uh-huh. you know, one of the biggest. He was behind one of the biggest Ponzi schemes in history. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the SEC looked into it in America for a while and was thinking about banning it. And I think it's illegal in the UK, um, just because the the the, the, align, the, the incentives aren't aligned properly. Um, it's, it's not it's not like a complete evil, but it's a bit it's a bit on the edge. Mm. So, does this business model that they've got does that make Robinhood a risky company? Um, oh, yeah, I'm not sure. They they do seem to be playing it a bit fast and loose. I mean, they're growing phenomenally, and they're sort of they're carving out a, a niche that hasn't existed before in the finance space. So they mm. have copped quite a few fines along the way, and there was an announcement the eve of the IPO that a bunch of their executives were being investigated for breaching 
stockbroking rules or something. Mm, never a good look. Yeah, not a good look. Normally that would kill in an IPO, but like in big tech, it's sort of like, well, it's just sort of that's that's how it rolls. The thing I love about Robin Hood is is Daniel Gallagher is their chief legal officer. He's getting paid. He he worked six months in 2020 and got paid 30 million dollars. Wow. Mm. The CEO of Disney got paid 15. <laughs> So their chief legal officer got $30 million. Yeah, wow. And he was, he used to be a SEC commissioner. So they've kind of co-opted him. They've hired the, well, yeah. They've hired well, yeah, hired well. <laughs> so they got good HR. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think I think Robinhood's got a future. I think it, I think it has carved out a good niche for itself. I think you look at its user, user a median user age of 31 and you think like, that they've got a long lifetime customer value out of that, out Mm. of their users, because they're going to stick around for a long time. And the other thing that they've done, which is kind of on the verge of evil genius, is that they've gamified trading. So they've sort of made it, it, you know, that sort of the app sort of thing, it, it, it's addictive. It kind of gets sticky. You get, you get these dopamine hits in Mm. early versions of the app. Every time you made a trade, you got this sort of celebratory shower of confetti on the screen. (laughs) <laughs> so even even if you just bought something and then sold it for a twenty percent haircut, you still got this shower of confetti. Great job! Great job. You, you made a twenty percent loss. Yeah, yeah, you've earned the loss badge. <laughs> loss badge. <laughs> and be, and because because they're because they're selling order flow, their incentive is to get you making as many orders as possible. So yeah, they want right. to get you trading as much as possible, and so that that's sort of like it gets addictive, and people are checking it every day and. And day trading, but we but we know that people who trade more often get less returns than those who have a who trade less often who have a steadier sort of might have a strategy, have a plan. Yeah, have a plan. Have a <laughs> for example. <laughs> so th- so I think so I think Robin Hood has sort of pushed this niche of where sort of gambling meets trading. It is a niche, and and it's a profitable niche, and I think they're going to do well out of it, but. Is it a great is it a great thing for society that that niche exists and is that niche is now being serviced? I'm not hmm. so sure, but uh, but that's not to take anything away from the company, which you know. I did note that their their biggest competitor is is a company. I guess it's called a company. It's called Charles Schwab. Mm-hmm. Like if that's the best they got to fight against Robin Hood, then. Like if I'm a if I'm a hip young dude looking for a, oh, a right. cool trading platform, I'm picking Robinhood over Charles Schwab. <laughs> on oh, name, I'm not even looking at features. Oh, there's no way I'm in Charles Schwab. I'm I'm Robinhood every day of the week. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. We'll see see how it plays out. <laughs> hey, um, before we go, we did just want to talk quickly about um, New Zealand mortgage limits. So the Central Bank of New Zealand, uh, RBNZ. Is slowing mm. the housing market. How are they doing it? Mm. Yeah, so house prices in New Zealand are just going, like, they're crazy here. They're going 30% year on year in New Zealand at the moment. So mm. just going a crazy amount. And that's after they put in restrictions a couple of months ago um, to try and cool things down a bit. But, yeah, so they've, they've come back to that idea. So in so we have what we have in Australia is APRA, which is the Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority, um, that got spun out of the RBA, I think about like 10 years ago or something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And the, the APRA, APRA is responsible for managing the banks and managing the way the banks do things. In New Zealand, it's they, they haven't spun it out, so it's still with the Reserve Bank of New Zealand is sort of responsible for that. And they're bringing in these measures to sort of try and cool the housing market. And what these measures are called is macroprudential measures. Um, macro because it's sort of big picture in the aggregate. Prudential because they're a bunch of prudes. Ambien <laughs> said, "Yeah, no, so so manage, yeah, so managing the market sort of at a, at a, at a sort of an aggregate level. So they're not well. What they don't want to do. Talking tough, by the way, against <laughs> New Zealand economists, like yeah, this big, big city economist from Australia. <laughs> oh, we we spun out our prudential regulatory business to hold. We're gonna hold. We're gonna hold." department for that now we've got a whole organization you guys still keep it all in the house yeah uh yeah <laughs> um yeah but so the, so the idea with macro prudential policies you, you don't want to get involved you don't want to get involved in the weeds you don't you don't want to like restrict individuals from from doing what they want to do you don't want to sort of tell tell the banks how to do their things exactly like you want to get into the detail of what they want to do mm. so what they have is these sort of these macro these big top level kind of limits so um so the one that new zealand's just brought in is saying like they don't they don't want to see um loans going out with a less than a 20 percent deposit so more, like yeah more than an 80 percent lvr mm. they don't want that to be any more than 10 percent of all new loans right so 90 percent of the loan of the new loans going forward have to have a deposit of more than 20 percent or more Okay, so that's going to make it harder to get a home loan in New Zealand. Yes, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yep. So it doesn't it doesn't tell the banks who to lend to or how much to lend to who. Yep. But it just says on your total mortgage book, we yep. don't want to see this sort of going on. And so that's sort of what, and they're the kind of restrictions that are that you're in place. So, uh, and the kind of things that yeah. So there's those loan loan to value restrictions. There's debt to income restrictions. So right. the amount of debt to the household income, um, the mortgage buffers. They can sort of measure so you get like when you when you're assessing someone's serviceability there's the current mortgage rate that they're offering but then you you factor in a buffer so you add like three percent or something and then look can they still afford that mortgage with that kind of buffer in place mm-hmm. and the other one we had we had this in australia so apra came out and did this in like around 2016 they had um there was a, a real concern that interest only lending was getting out of control and then it was it was pretty ridiculous like at some point 40 percent of all new loans were interest only mm. so not not principal and interest they were just paying interest only so apra came in and said no nah, okay we want to get that down under 25 percent something like that so and that that did slow the market and in, in australia house prices fell about five to ten percent across yeah, the well. country after the, after those restrictions. So they did they did they did work in Australia's case. So are we likely to see the same thing happening here anytime soon? It's possible. People are talking about it. People are talking about it. Right. The thing is that they're not looking at targeting house prices. So mm. well, there's actually there's uh, there's another interesting thing that's happened with New Zealand is that the government has said to the RBNZ, "We want you to think about house prices in your interest rate decisions." And in the way you're doing things, so right. house prices didn't used to be, you know, used to be a sideshow. Governments now said, no, no, make this a central concern. We want house prices in the mix. That's not the case in Australia yet. So you don't have the RBA or APRA worried about house prices in particular or having any view about where house prices should be. Mm. Where they are concerned is if it creates financial instability. So if it's starting to look like a bubble and it might all come crashing down and people are getting in over their heads. 
and too many people are getting in over their head so it has the potential to bring down the banking system, then then that's where they start to worry. And that's what they're worried about with interest-only lending is that it was so much of the market. And if people were borrowing uh, you know, interest-only lending, it's because, often because they had no intention of paying off the full loan or they couldn't afford the full to pay principal and interest. They could only afford interest-only lending. So, um, yeah, there was, there was a worry that if, if things went sour, all those lenders who had pushed themselves right to – borrowers, sorry, who had pushed themselves right to the edge would collectively go broke and that would bring down the banking system. Yeah, right. Interesting. But, but, but right now, when that doesn't seem to be the case. So interest-only lending is pretty contained for the moment. Most, most of the boom in house prices seems to be driven by owner-occupiers, which have a much lower risk profile than investors typically. So there's sort of like the key measures that, sort of, that suggest you're in a speculative bubble in Australia aren't there mm. right now. So I don't, I don't think the RBA or APRA is partic- going to be particularly worried okay. just yet, but, but they are making uh, – Phil Lowe was out the other day saying it, it's definitely a possibility it could come. But, okay. So super quickly, have interest rates gone up in New Zealand? No, no. Is that's not a that's not a is that going to happen as a result of this stuff? Uh what what macroprudential allows you to do is to cool the housing market without mm. increasing interest rates. Okay. So kind of kind of the tricky thing about interest rates is you lower interest rates to stimulate the entire economy and all the businesses who borrow and and everything, but it overstimulates the housing market. Right. And that's sort of what, so that's sort of the problem. Uh, so what, the, yeah, gotcha. the, an interest rate that's good for the economy as a whole might be too hot for the housing market. Right. And so, so have some other controls. Yeah. So you have bring in some other controls just that just affect the housing market. So you can keep those super cheap interest rates, but take some of the heat out of the housing market. So that's what macro prudential tries to do. Right. So, yeah. So if it does come in, it means interest rates stay lower for longer. Yep. That said, uh, RBN said he's making noises about raising rates in the next couple of months. Well, tell them to pipe down, Thomas. (laughs) 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 Noises. Who do they think they're talking to? Uh, no, we uh, we got a lot, of, a lot of listeners over there in New Zealand. We thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, we love, love your work over there. That brings us to the end of the show for this week. Uh, slightly longer one, I think, this week. So thanks for uh, sticking with us. Um, appreciate you tuning in every every week. Don't forget, you can always send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or on the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. We did get a few emails this week. Apologize we haven't had time to get to them today. Uh, we'll try and get to those next week. A few emails actually about superannuation, which if you haven't uh, listened already, go and check out the couple of bonus episodes we did over the last few Saturdays. Thanks to our, our sponsor, Superhero, for enabling us to do those. So lots lots happening here, lots more to come. Thanks once again so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you again next week. Bye. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. 
we pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.